What's going on, everybody? This is Seth from Engage Podcast. Today, we are, in a way, we're tributing this episode this week to Ravi Zacharias. If you don't know who he is, I highly recommend you look him up. Um, he passed away um, over the last couple of weeks, and um, he is a huge inspiration in my life. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I listened to his podcast and read his books. He's just such an amazing, amazing man of God. And I'm sad to see him go, but I know that in, he's in heaven now, more alive than he has ever been. Um, but we're going to share today some of our favorite quotes by him and really the impact that he's had over our life. So I hope you enjoy. Everybody. So today, as you just heard, uh, Ravi Zacharias has made a huge impact on the Christian community and I think even the secular world. Uh, there's so much to draw from that it's really hard to choose what to talk about. So what Seth and I are going to do is we, we just ch- chose one quote uh, that we're going to share about. I'm going to share one that's close to my heart, and he's going to share one that's close to his heart. We're just going to share about it, uh, the quotes. So before we do that, though, Seth, can you fill us in a little bit about Ravi's background? Yeah. So Ravi, um, he's an Indian man. Uh, he was born and raised in um, uh, Delhi, India. And uh, moved to Canada, and now is and then became an American citizen. But he um, he's known as a Christian apologist, and what that is is just someone who gives a defense for the faith. So he's known for doing these um, open forums at universities all around the globe, and he gives a presentation about what the gospel is. Um, sometimes even around a certain theme, um, like his most famous one is "What does it mean to be human." And then afterwards, he opens it up for an hour-long Q&A. And if you go on to, onto YouTube and search up Ravi Zacharias, you'll see thousands of them. And I um, got to see him live. He's just, he's such a great, I mean, he's so smart. He's so incredibly smart. Half the time, I have a hard time following with what he's saying because it's on like a different intellectual level than I can comprehend. But because of, of he had that caliber of intelligence, I mean, he really, um, I mean, there's a whole playlist on YouTube of Ravi destroying atheists. And even though he was always so incredibly humble and very gentle about it, he just, he is, he's such a brilliant guy. I remember, um, he's, he's written a lot of books, but the book that, that has always closest to my heart is a book titled Jesus Among Other Gods. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll leave that in the comments if you want to check that book out. I know you, you really liked a book called The Grand Weaver. My and favorite. The, the, the part about that book, the, the idea behind it is how God shapes us through the events of our lives. And that's where my quote's going to come from. Okay? So here's the quote. We're going to uh, drop this for you in the comments section. It is God trained Moses in a palace to use him in a desert. 
and he trained Joseph in a desert to use him in a palace. So for that, the, the background of that is important because if you don't know the background of Moses or Joseph, the strength of the quote is lost on you. So just briefly, um, you know, most people think of Moses, they think of Moses with the Ten Commandments, but his, the, a large part of his life, Moses was in a palace. He was kind of adopted by this, by the Egyptian uh, pharaoh and his daughter. And so he was raised with the best of the best. He was trained with the best of the best. I mean, you have to think about Egypt was a superpower. Um, you know, America can be, you could argue America is a superpower, but superpowers back in those days, I mean, they were different. You know, there's this Pharaoh's essentially God. So if you're, if you're closely connected with him, then you have all, you have connections with everything. And so Moses was trained in that kind of environment. You know, he was trained as a general. He was trained as a leader. He was trained how to fight. He ate all the best stuff. Uh, he, he knew no pain, this guy. I mean, can you imagine being raised in that kind of environment? But Ravi draws out that God trained him in a palace, but he used him in a desert because most of Ravi's life, or not Ravi, Moses' life was lived out in a desert, leading people out of slavery and in the wilderness, you know. And then here we have the other flip side of that. He brings up Joseph, and he said he trained Joseph in a desert to, to use him in a palace. And so a little background on Joseph, you know, Joseph was born into a, a large family. He was one, the youngest son. He was the favorite. And through a series of horrible events, uh, he went through betrayal, um, slavery, jail. His life really resembled a roller coaster, really high highs, really low lows. And then at the very end of his life, he was raised up and he, in a sense, saved um, the people of God and really the earth through this terrible famine. So unlike Moses, who started out in a palace and ended up in a desert, Joseph started out in a palace. I'm sorry, started out in a, a desert and then ended up in a palace. And so why I like that verse or the quote is because there's mountaintops in life and there's valleys. And Moses started out at the, the pinnacle and Joseph started out in the valley, but their lives ended up in different places. And so... The point I want to draw out is no matter where you are in life or wherever you started, whether it's really good or really bad, God's wisdom is infinite. Like we can't see around corners. Could you imagine Moses if he was shown a glimpse into his future when he was like 12? He never would have believed it. Like what? I'm sleeping in, in, in a camp on the ground with and, and I, there's no food. I'd have to wait for God to deliver food, you know, every day. And it's just this crummy manna, this bread. And then imagine Moses, or I'm sorry, Joseph, you know, who started out uh, on the ground, right? And if you would have showed him the end of his life, he would have said, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to be in, in a palace. So you never know how God is, is what God's going to do. So what you have to do is no matter if you're in the, the peak or the valley, you have to look at it as God's training ground. You never know what's around the corner. You never know how things are going to end up. And that's why this quote is so powerful. So it's really encouraging to me to know that no matter what you're going through, and we're kind of all going through a weird season right now with COVID-19, God is going to use 
the lessons that you're learning now, if you're open to them, is the key in the future. So there you go. God trained Moses in a palace to use him in a desert. He trained Joseph in a desert to use him in the palace. If you want to read more on that, then I would suggest getting the book, The Grand Weaver. So. It's, it's one of his best books. You will not be sorry. Fantastic. Um, my quote, and when I, I'm going to lead into this with, by just saying it was really hard for me to find one quote that state, like is one of my, my favorites because there's, there's, there's so many. Um, but one that has stuck with me for so long, and it probably comes in my mind at least once a week, um, was a quote out of his book, um, Recapture the Wonder, and which is really all about, I mean, the whole book's just about recapturing the wonder that we had as, as, as kids. As adults, we lose that. And there, there was a whole section in there talking about marriage. And to kind of lead into this, Ravi's brother had an arranged marriage. And he went over to India, just literally found a girl, married her, and didn't meet her until the day of the wedding. And Ravi thought he was crazy. So with all that being said, this is the quote. He says, if you will to love someone, you can. This statement had me wondering for months, how does one will to love anything? More importantly, how does someone will to love someone? That was until I had been married for 20 years and my brother and his wife had been married for 27 years. And we sat down before a holiday dinner and got to talking. I asked him, how have you and your wife been together for 27 years and are just as happy and in love as many of the married couples that I know that have only been married for a year or so? His response has never left my memory. He said, Ravi, without the will, marriage is a mockery. Without emotion, marriage is a drudgery. You need both. Love is the matter of the will, followed by the emotions, not led by the emotions. The reason why that quote stuck out to me and it always has is I read that quote probably within the first six months of me being married to, to my wife. And one of the things that if anyone who's listening remembers or knows firsthand, um, when you get married or you're about to get married, there are always two responses that people have. For us, everyone told us we were way too young. Everyone was like, you need to wait till you're like, you know, past your 20s to get married. Why do you, why get married now? You guys are so young. How old were you? I was, uh, I was, I was 20, 22. My wife was 20, okay. which in my mind isn't that young, but a lot of people that is young. Um, and there, we just got, you know, especially with people who are our age, they were like, how do you know if like, this is the one, how do you know? that this is like the woman you want to marry. And people were saying the same thing to her. And it got to a point where we were getting kind of tired of it. And especially because our culture today has this idea of marriage and relationships that is not rooted in in reality. People have this like romantic novel idea of what romance is. And the thing I love about the quote, and I have shared it with so many people, especially young couples, is that the, I say not the millennial, but the modern way of thinking about relationships and marriage is leading with the emotions. 
you know, you got to be physically attracted. You got to always have that lovey-dovey feeling. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, that means you've lost the love. They don't excite you anymore. But his point is so true that you ha- you have to have the will because we all know that human beings are flawed. We are all flawed. And yet when you take two flawed people and put them together, hi, Thunder, uh, when you take two flawed human beings and put them together, it's going to get messy. It's gonna, there's going to be problems. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. So you have to have that will in order to make it. You have to have that will. And to piggyback off of that, one of the things that I've often thought about is, of course, it makes sense you can will to love someone because we all know that you can will to hate someone. I mean, I don't know if, like, I don't know if you have ever felt this, but like... If a friend of yours had a girlfriend that like cheated on them or was like just horrible to them, you immediately like hated her because it happened to your friend. So you, the, but that, that person didn't, didn't do anything to you. you. You didn't personally feel that, but you have a will to hate someone. If it's possible to hate to will to, sorry, to will to hate someone, you can just as easily will to love someone. Mm. And that's so important in any relationship, but specifically in marriage. And that quote by Ravi has always stuck in the back of my mind. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool thing that he, the quote you chose and that he teased out. I, I think that's important. When I do marriage counseling, you know, I never use that quote, although that's good. I could use this in the future. I tell people, you know, there's these range of emotions and right now the feeling, the aura of love is high. But you have to, what if you don't understand what true love is? And so to broaden the definition of what love is, is important for that couple, especially in the society that we live in today, because our definition only centers around that lovey-dovey feel. Mm -hmm. So as couples go on, they feel, wow, that's lost. Uh, I don't feel that way anymore. And so... If that's not in your definition, right, then you then all of a sudden this couple has a problem. You see, where did that go? But if there's more already in that definition, if your understanding of love already involves the things that Ravi's saying, then you don't have a problem at all. Right. You know, that's part of the deal. So I'm glad you teased that out. Maybe in the future we'll do um, some podcast or even a video on uh, marriage you know, marriage advice or something like that. Yeah. Okay. If you want to hear us do something like that, again, we invite you to write that in the comments. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast on Ravi Zacharias. If you yourself have been blessed by Ravi and you have a favorite quote, why don't you uh, share that with us? We're, we're, we're thrilled to hear how he has blessed you um, as he has blessed us.